folks, Brett Cassidy. Hello. This song's called Sitting In. Guess that I've been sleeping a couple years now. Hair's been getting longer as my eyes were looking down. I've been wondering where the time's been going these days. When the hill in my hair start turning gray. Open up my eyes First time in a while Guess I have a beard now My clothes are in a pile I've been wondering where the time's been going these days When the hell in my hair start turning gray I've been wondering where the time's been going these days. Cockins painted lines upon my face. Set it on a cruise control as I'm going on. Oh, did I get here? When did I write this song? How long I've been singing this song? I've been wondering where the time's been going these days. When the hell did my hair? Start turning gray. I've been wondering where the time's been going these days. Pockets, painted lines upon my face. What did I have for breakfast? What did I have for lunch? Maybe I just skipped them, but that wouldn't be my hunch. Where my belly's getting bigger, I used to be so thin. I used to go out running, now I'm always sitting in. I've been wondering where the time's been going these days. When the hell did my hair start turning gray? I've been wondering where the time's been going these days. Talking's penny lights upon my face. Brett Cassidy Hello and welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Straker. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your tits. Uh, my name is Aaron. I am also uh, one of your tits. Aaron is also an actor. Yes. And today we're a tri-tit again. We are we are the three-boobed uh, alien from Total Recall because we have amazing singer-songwriter from right here in Calgary, Alberta. You may know him as a member of the Ashley Hundred or just from being a fantastic solo artist, Mr. Brett Cassidy. Whee! 
yeah, thank you for uh, coming back on. Uh, <laughs> Brett is actually our second recurring guest. Yes. Um, we had an episode that we recorded with Brett uh, at eight in the morning, <laughs> and it, it was nine. Oh, nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then uh, we didn't export it right. And uh, so it is it is gone forever. Yes. I agree. It's actually a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> We're not morning people. For some reason, we decided to try to do something in the morning because the first time we tried to do something in the morning, Spencer fell, stayed asleep the whole time. Yeah, so. I slept through two guests. Yeah. I felt really dumb when that happened. So uh, we're not morning people. We are not morning people. No. But today we're here in the afternoon, and uh, I am so happy to have you back on because, first off, I absolutely love that song. I, I, I have told you this before, but there are very few songs that I hear that like stop me in my tracks and make me actively listen to what is happening. And that was one of them. Uh, I, we were at your uh, we were at your uh, backyard uh, pool party this summer, you and Andy's. And uh, I remember you started singing that, and I just like I, it hit me so hard. Like because I feel like I'm right around that age where I'm like, shit, I'm getting older, and and it's so relatable. Like what what was kind of the writing process behind it? It was kind of like the chorus came first. I was just I was in a period of life where I was. I just felt like the last couple years just suddenly have happened and I wasn't aware of them at all. Like I just like maybe just my prefrontal cortex finished developing. And I was like, where, where am I? <laughs> How did I get here? And what has happened for the last five years of my life? I've done nothing. I was basically just asleep for like four years, like quite literally just slept for 12 hours a day. Uh, and yeah, that was the, the first song that I that I wrote that I was like, oh, I actually, because I've been playing in bands forever, uh, wrote that song probably about five or six years ago, and that was the first song I wrote that I was like, oh, I should actually like pursue writing songs on an acoustic guitar and, and see what I can make of playing solo. Well, and it's funny too, because it is very different when you're writing for a collective as opposed to individually, I imagine, like mm -hmm. the... The, the way that you can uh, I guess approach you're also you're also not confined to genre in a way too I think if you're if you're writing your own songs so what uh, what do you think was like the biggest adjustment that you noticed between writing for like when you're when you're in the Ashley hundred or in other bands compared to writing on your own I have to actually write the whole song by myself mm. Mm. <laughs> I have to actually make an effort with uh, like the Ashley Hundred is so collaborative, so it's really easy for it to be like, I wrote half of a song, here you go, and then someone else will take it, which is really nice because then they come up with ideas. I'm like, I never ever in a million years would have thought to add that section or like that line or anything. So it becomes more of like this collective experience. Um, but writing on my own, uh, I, I find it a bit easier to write the songs for my own project because it's got my name on it it feels like I have more space to just like be honest and vulnerable and I'm not like worried about how uh, like a band is being represented. It's just like, these are my feelings and this is me. And it's, it's just makes it easy to be pretty honest with my writing. And I imagine too, like, cause the Ashley hundred has been going for almost 10 years now, right? Or more, more than more 10 than years. Than wow. wow. So like the other thing I imagine too, that would be different is like when you get into a rhythm of writing with a, a, a group of people and like you do have, like you said, like what's representing the band. And so you have kind of an idea in your head. I imagine when, when y'all are sitting down and writing what you're going to like what the final product is going to sound like it's going to have your kind of vibe and and the ashley hundred essence to it so when you remove that i imagine that's got to be a lot more freeing to just sit down and write something yeah yeah i would say it is though in a band like the ashley hundred we're never too worried about like sounding like the band because it always just comes out that way via it's an amalgamation of all five of us in the band and so when we all have our input on it, then it's just like, oh, this is an Ashley Hundred song now. Uh, and then when I'm writing for myself, it's like, it's going to sound like me because it is, it's just me. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's a, uh, in that, in that sense, it's like not too different of an experience. And I never want to write music, trying to make it sound like something because 
limitations are suck in in art most of the time like if you try to put it inside of a little box uh, but that does make it really nice now having a few projects that i'm writing for i can just i just write whatever i'm feeling and then i can be like oh this feels more like a folky country brett caspi thing or i'm like this is clearly supposed to be a psych rock pop banger for the ashley hundred no, and that, that that's also something that's got to be helpful, though, is looking at it, like, no matter what you start writing, there's somewhere you can put it, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a home, yeah. I have a lot of, like, fake projects that I, I'm getting into home recording, and mm. I like to dabble in all of the genres, so I've been writing just, like, silly, like, fast punk songs and dream pop and just, like, whatever. It's nice to just explore all of the genres i really uh, this is a question have you dabbled with yacht rock yet <laughs> yes. it's coming it's coming <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say i really want to see a brett cassidy yacht rock album you would probably yeah. crush a good a good yacht rock album. yeah, yeah. i do listen to a possibly unhealthy amount of hollow notes mm. <laughs> oh you two are about to nerd yeah yeah Dude, my favorite album leave the room. my favorite album <laughs> of all time is abandoned luncheonette I, I, I think that that is a perfect album, I think, from beginning all the way to the end. It's a weird genre-bending album that just, like, takes a little bit of, like, blues and funk and R&B and, like, rock and disco and folk and just everything. And it just throws it into an album. And they're like, yeah, do you know what the last track was? This is the opposite from that. Mm-hmm. But it feels like the whole album tells the story of a breakup and then, like, getting over that person. Which I, I don't know. I, I, I as soon as I started like actively listening to albums all the way through, I was like, damn, this one is underrated as being perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go home and put that on. Yeah. There you go. And I'll well, report back. while you're at it, put on some Christopher Cross too when you're done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Some Christopher yeah. Cross. That's our yacht rock favorite uh, of all time. Yeah, um, and and it's one that we used to play Mario Kart <laughs> yes. too all the we time. Was, we would get very high and listen to Christopher Cross <laughs> and play Super Nintendo. Uh, it was a really nice time. It, it, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was great. And until we started like getting very competitive at it, and yeah. then and then it would it, that was around the time you'd have to go smoke again. Yeah, and we'd like it was like a good like hour where you could not think about all the. Money we owed for electricity bills, for <laughs> water, and our in our apartment in fucking Toronto, and just kind of you know played Mario Kart and on our broken TV. <laughs> so I have a I have a question about about uh, sitting in, and it's uh it it's like kind of a random one, but like it, you know you already talked about you know where the idea kind of came from with it, but what I was going to say is that. I, I think where it becomes relatable to a lot of people is this idea that y- you you wake up one day and realize that you're old. <laughs> and it was it was a really weird realization over the past, I would say, year or mm. so to, to come to terms with the fact that I'm like, oh, God, I, I can't pull all nighters. I can't like, you know, there's so many things that you can't do mm. anymore. But what I what I really like about it is that you approach the this idea with not this melancholy and sadness for being like for uh, getting older, it kind of feels more like you're happy that the next chapter is coming. Am I wrong in, in my interpretation of that? Or yeah, no, not at all. I think it's more about it's not like uh, a morning of a lost youth. It's more of like a reminder of like okay, there's still I'm here now. Like let's start paying attention because the time isn't going to stop going by. Yeah, and I think it is like a bit trying to to acknowledge that like you know youth is fleeting and, and maybe maybe gone maybe not i think i'm still young i think we're all still yeah, pretty yeah, yeah no, pretty young i mean i did walk past a, a rave happening down the street from here a couple weeks ago i was going to get a slice of pizza and i walked past all these like 18 19 year olds going into this rave and i was like i have no interest in doing that at all 10 years ago would have jumped right in there would drop your pizza and walked right in. Yeah. <laughs> now you're like, no, absolutely not. This pizza is going to be only warm for a limited amount of time. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to eat, eat it as fresh as I possibly yeah, I can. Eat this fast. I don't want to get caught up in all that that partying and raving. No. So okay, so this is uh, kind of going backwards in time because I want to talk to you about the Ashley Hundred a little bit because uh, you know you mentioned that it's been over ten years that you guys have been a band. 
And I was looking at your discography over that time, you know, like I'm looking back at like, you know, 2014, you guys have an EP out and then 2017, you have a full album. You've been consistently releasing tracks, but it does sound like you guys uh, from the start to where you are now have like kind of you've got a more distinct sound that is like. I immediately listen to it and I go, that's the Ashley hundred. Like that's a Calgary band. I know it because it's like, it's a very distinct uh, sound that I think you guys were a part of creating, which is this Calgary feel. Is that something that you kind of notice or. I, I would hate to take credit for creating that, but I will. <laughs> uh, I think it's because there was like a lot of bands like, 36 and Wendigo and us at some years ago and like I'm the Mountain. We were all really like coming up together and we we're all around the same age when we started like early 20s and we had none of us had any idea of what we were doing and I think we just all took so much inspiration from each other mm. that it kind of became more of this cohesive thing. We all just started ripping each other off for a little bit. You know, that's how good art's made. Mm. But I, but I think it's funny because I don't even think that it's like ripping each other off. Like I think what you said about like being around each other, like you're obviously gonna have an influence on each other, yeah, right? I'm just hanging out a lot. Yeah. We're like, hey, check out this cool band I'm listening to, and like that kind of stuff all all starts rubbing off on on one another. Well, yeah. and it's funny too because all of those bands that you mentioned are like the ones that I would put in that distinct Calgary sound like you know when I was when I was younger like uh you know uh when I was a university kid like uh, 2016 2017 it was like uh you know I remember listening to like exposure uh, on like x92.9 and hearing uh hearing all of the bands that you've mentioned or like cgsw or whatever and uh if you went to any music show in the city it was like you had to have one of those bands on the on the lineup is what it felt like. Uh, do you feel like that has changed in the last few years, or do you think that that's that's sort of similar? Uh, uh, like, I guess I guess sonically, do you think that it's changed? I think there's still like a lot that has stayed the same, and a lot of those bands that are still around have like really continued to grow. Uh, but there's a lot more diversity, I think of sound in the city now like it's hard to find too many bands that sound exactly the same uh like i'm a late in life punk so i've been getting really into the post-punk scene in calgary which there are so many so many incredible bands in uh and there's like the i feel like the alt country move revival is really hitting calgary hard these mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. and it makes sense it's calgary but yeah. there's never outside of like pop country i was always surprised that there wasn't like this huge underground country scene in calgary until a few years ago that's something we've been talking about recently was that shift that now there's like that well there's just popular in country music anyways is country revival but we've seen it a lot with the artists here in town that same sort of thing there's a lot of the people that were doing punk music are now making you know that style of country music yeah. which is strange right the punk to country pipeline is a real thing. Mm-hmm. yeah and it also feels it feels good <laughs> it's true <laughs> three chords in a story yes uh, but but it's funny <laughs> i love too that like now uh the 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 like because we've dubbed it the outlaw country extended universe uh, you know, like that's like where like Sierra Farrell and Charlie Crockett and all those folks kind of fall into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's funny because you see that, that that it's very clear with some artists. But then, like, for instance, we were at the Nick Shoulders show this summer and he even pointed it out on stage where he's like, everybody here looks like they were punk two years ago. And yeah. it's so true, though, because there there has been a shift. But I think it's because you know something that outlaw country and punk really had in common was this anti-establishment sort of mentality and so you have you know uh in the early two two, uh, 2010s there was that alt punk sort of uh, alt and indie punk sort of uh you know thing that was really popular you had with x92.9 uh playing bands like the arkells and and uh uh, you know, uh, Peach Pit and all of these bands that like are great bands, mm-hmm. and and uh, but they they were uh, definitely of a sound, and I feel like now 
that sound is shifting to where the same people that listen to that are now discovering a Sierra Farrell or 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 someone, and they're they're more interested in, in maybe a singer songwriter than they were ten years ago. Yeah, I had this theory that I think is now coming true, like ten years ago, just watching how overproduced music was becoming and like how popular electronic based music was. I was like, I'm pretty sure in like 10 years, people are just going to want to listen to like folk and country and something that's like just an acoustic guitar. And I feel like people have just gotten so sick. We live in a world that's like, so you can't escape technology and overproduction of everything and everything shiny and new. So I think there's just that real craving for something that's like brutally honest and raw and authentic. Well, we've we've mentioned it before too. It's like every popular track that was out there, like ten years ago, needed to have like a dubstep beat on it, and it was fucking the worst, <laughs> the worst spat of time in music. That every like after the chorus would be like, after every single like on every single popular song. So. Yeah, I, I think that. 2007 was the year when everything went to hell, and it wasn't until like 2012 where it started to revert uh, back. So 2020, the year that everything went to hell again. It was like the the, <laughs> the reset, the reset, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It all makes sense now. So now uh, here's a, a grander question, because like I think it's interesting because you do play in multiple genres of music, and and you obviously have an appreciation for all music. Uh, music genres, uh, as we do, as Ooh. the number one English-speaking music history podcast in Chile. Still. Uh, still. <laughs> still. Still. Uh, it, it, at one point it was. Yeah. We were also charting in Saudi Arabia for some reason. Yeah. So, yeah. We were charting in Israel as well. Nice. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so as somebody who – I'm going to move on from <laughs> yeah. that so quickly. <laughs> My brain was turning with all sorts of things. I, I had to move on so quickly. Uh, no, but um, as somebody who plays in, in multiple genres <laughs> and, like, has an appreciation for multiple genres, what were some of your musical influences when you started? Uh, stuff that got me into, like, wanting to play music and learn music was – I think what a lot of what starts it for a lot of people is like ACDC, Led Zeppelin. Mm. I heard Thunderstruck, and I was like, I need to know how to do this. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. After only hearing like Backstreet Boys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this? And then as I got a little older, uh, when I first started writing songs, it was like there was another one of these little folk waves in like 2008, 2009 with the like. Bonnie Bears mm-hmm. and Mumford and Sons and that kind of world of things. So when I was like just out of high school, I, I started listening to a lot of that like chill folk. Uh, so Bonnie Bear was a big one. Uh, Nick Drake was a yes. big one. Just like these very sad boy folk songwriters. Uh, that's what made me want to start like really writing music. Just listening to like how much they could do with like just an acoustic guitar and really good lyrics and really creative ideas. Well, that's uh, that's like my jam, uh, especially Bon Iver. That's kind of like he's probably the my favorite artist of all time. Just because not only does he he started making a you know classic old school folk music and then he's evolved it as well. It's yeah. some more electronic elements, and now he's kind of gone the other way. Like it's he's really impressive as an artist as yeah. a whole. Just the way he experiments within like a genre you don't think there would be a lot of experiment, like room to experiment in. Mm-hmm. He can experiment whether that's from like you know taking folk music and pairing it with auto tune in you know the the mid two thousands. Like mm-hmm. being one of the first people to do that, it's super impressive. So, yeah. I've my Spotify on shuffling my like songs lately mm. some of the tracks from uh 22 a million have been coming yes i listened to that album in years like this is out there stuff i've never heard anything else like that i think it's widely misunderstood and criminally underrated in my opinion that when that came out in 2016 like i couldn't stop listening yeah. to it it's like alien mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some of the stuff he's doing and I think it's the vocacorder he's using to split the uh, the sound into whatever seven different pitches. Um, it's incredible. I saw him live for that album, and I sat in the second row at the Stampede Corral. Um, 
it was like I, he came out, he started playing, and I literally just fucking started crying. <laughs> yeah, like, like a baby. <laughs> uh, just a wave of emotions that came over me. Then the saxophone player started playing the saxophone into the vocal cord,er and it split into like seven or eight different pitches, and it sounded like you were standing in front of like fifty fucking saxophones. Wow. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, I won't name any names, but my buddy literally passed out. Like we took really strong edibles and he fucking <laughs> <passed>. <laughs> He went straight backwards. He oh, turned hello. turned white. Yeah, it was you know just an amazing experience. So glad you brought it up because I could nerd out about it all. So day. you're saying Bodiver puts people to sleep? <laughs> yes, but in like you know a good way. Like he knocks them out. He doesn't you know that that's fair. We we had a Bonavere experience in Toronto yes. on my birthday where uh, we had been uh, given some illicit substances yes. by a friend of ours. And uh, when uh, Aaron and I are able to handle our shit, and the person that was with us uh, that was not a friend uh, was not able to handle his shit, and we put on Bon Iver, and Aaron and I are, like, feeling it, and, like, we're feeling it and we're crying, but it's, like, in a good way, and this guy's just freaking the fuck out, so we had to turn off the music. It was, like, a therapy session for him. He was just raining tears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like... Especially when you're so on drugs. Empty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know what I don't know why yeah. that's like we, we danced for like three or four hours and we thought, oh let's go back to the house and listen to like sad boy music <laughs> <laughs> after we just like danced our asses off until like two thirty in the morning. It was a good time. Uh, it though. was a good time. It was a good birthday. So uh I have a question for you regarding an Ashley Hundred track. And this is a recent one. Uh, Clown Shack. Mm-hmm. How the fuck? Okay, first off, I love this song. It's so, it's so fun and upbeat. But like, what was kind of like, what was kind of the idea to lead the like to 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 collectively go like, let's make this track and let's make it like like really fun. Like, it, not that like you guys don't make fun music, but like, what was kind of the process behind creating that song? So that song came out a couple of years ago. We went on a little songwriting retreat. We rented out this cabin um, north of Banff, whatever that town is there. I forget the name of it. Uh, anyways, we rented out this beautiful cabin for a weekend, and we just spent like 12 hours a day for three days just jamming any idea that anyone had. And that was the only thing that really stuck out of that. And it was kind of just like a mash of a few things. That's why the front half is so different than the the back. It was like two different songs smashed together. Uh, But maybe just the vibe of that weekend got kind of folded into the mix. Got captured. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The lyrics of that, uh, Andrew wrote that song. And it's like, it's a pretty heavy lyrical song about just feeling like a total piece of shit because your friends help you and you feel like you don't have to learn anything for them sometimes uh so it's nice to contrast some more heavy lyricism with fun music sometimes well that was something i was going to mention is like it seems like a lot of the songs that you guys write that have like uh maybe a more more serious and darker uh lyric uh usually have a much more upbeat the uh, 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 musical element to it. So, is that something that you guys are actively doing, or is it something that just kind of organically came about? I don't think we really try to do anything at all. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of the best way to do it, too. Yeah. 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 There's not a lot of like thought into anything that we do. We're just making stuff and seeing what feels right. Uh, but I definitely like. We don't want to be a depressing band i feel like i love sad music uh but i don't want to make people sad with my music Mm -hmm. and anything that i'm involved in um so it's like a nice release lyrically to like be able to talk about heavier subjects but i also like want people to have fun while they're they're listening to it and, and get into it a little more which is funny because I kind of take the opposite approach with my comedy. Like I want people to be sad when they hear me tell a joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's the goal of comedy. Yeah. It's to make people sad. Well, we we also share in the process of not really trying to do too much, just kind of doing. That's what I've lived by for all my life. <laughs> just kind of doing, not really thinking about anything too much. But do you think that maybe, cause like you guys have, uh, you guys have cultivated like a pretty solid 
following here in the city and like you guys are on tour you know a couple of times a year you're you're constantly out there uh do you think that maybe that's why people relate to you is because you're not trying to uh, be overly serious with what you're doing you're you're having fun with it yeah i think so you have to have fun like if you're not having fun what what is literally what is the point do something else. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, yeah, I, I was trying to think of, like, what is the point? And I was like, yeah, no, there's no point yeah. if you're not having fun. And, like, yeah, there's, a, there's a place for serious music. Like, Radiohead is my favorite band ever, and that's very serious. Mm-hmm. But it also is kind of fun and quirky. So it can be it can be both things. Now, so this is this is a side note, but if, if your favorite band of all time is Radiohead, how did you get into playing the banjo? I just always thought banjos were super cool. And I saw the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? when I was mm-hmm. really young. And I was like, what is this music that is happening? And why does it make me feel so good? And then I got really into bluegrass and traditional folk music at a young age. And similar to hearing Thunderstruck and being like, I'm going to learn how to do that on guitar right now. I saw some bluegrass banjo. And I was like, that is seems illegal (laughs) (laughs) how does someone's fingers move so fast and how do i learn how to do that well and it's funny because like i i grew up uh uh playing the banjo as well and like the uh something that i noticed was like i personally i can't play guitar to save my life we've made many yes, jokes about you, it on the you've podcast made many attempts too. i made many attempts yeah. at it uh i i worked for months to learn a taylor swift song and then played it for our guests and it was so fucking bad and like they were trying to be nice but it was like in that like no it was Great job. The thought that counts. It's like, it's like your mom when she sees your like third grade band recital. It's yeah. Like, oh, you were so good on the handbells. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but something that I noticed, the difference being that I, I find it easier to finger pick than I do with strumming. And I feel like I feel like if mm. I can actively like granted, I've never been able to like not look at my uh, strings while I'm doing it but like if I can actually see the strings it's easier for me to go note to note and then I can kind of fuck around up here and it doesn't matter nearly as much mm-hmm. whereas as soon as I'm with a guitar and it's just like alright let's do a G and I'm like Kring! and I'm like oh that sounded bad how the fuck do you do this mm-hmm. so what wh- which did you learn first and did you find that there was a, a big shift between the two instruments uh, I learned guitar first so I got like forced into piano as a young child like much of middle-class suburbia was. <laughs> uh, but I started learning guitar when I was like 10, and I did that for like 10 years, semi, semi-actively. semi uh, But later on in those years of playing guitar, I was always doing open tunings and finger-picking. And so it was like a pretty natural progression. When I picked up a banjo, it just made, it made more sense than a guitar mm. ever mm-hmm. had to me. I, I've been playing guitar for more than 20 years and I still like I can I can strum chords and that's about it and but my right hand is good my left hand is really stupid so kind of like what you're saying so much I, I like right hand stuff Even when, yeah when I'm playing guitar now it's mostly just like making a chord and finger picking really fast that totally makes sense and Granted, though, like you, you mentioning like it, you know picking up a banjo and making it feel like it felt natural and good, uh, you definitely make it look good on stage because you guys uh, opened for uh, Tokyo Police Club this past summer, and you were doing a, a banjo solo on a hay bale. Ooh, that, was, that was one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> also, the moment that I found out that hay bale is not as stable as you might expect. <laughs> 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 So not only More than a thousand people. It's like this is gonna either look really cool or it's gonna be very embarrassing. Anyone does somewhere in between. Nice. <laughs> yeah. well, so go ahead. Oh, I was gonna ask, like, because that was the second time you guys have opened for them, right? Yeah. Uh, did you did like? Uh, are they cool guys to work with, or? Uh... Uh, we didn't interact with them as much this time around, but the first time uh, we got to chat with them a little bit, and they were very chill. Good old Canadian boys at Tokyo Police Club. 
Hell yeah. Good yeah. band. Good Very band. good band. Yeah. Well, speaking of shows, I, I asked this last time, and I forget your answer, so I'm going to ask it again. Like, locally here in town, what's your favorite spot to play? If you had to pick a, pick a venue here in Calgary, what would you pick? I love the Palomino. Mm. It's the right size. You can get a lot of people in there, but it's not, like, overwhelming to, to put on a local show there. Uh, it's got the right mix of, like, kind of divey, mm-hmm. but it's not a total shithole. Like, your chances of getting dripped on by a mysterious liquid are pretty low. It happens. Yeah. They're not, it's not zero. It's, more it's likely never zero. It's, more than likely it's PBR when you're yeah. at the Palomino. Yeah, but and the barbecue's great. Yeah, the barbecue's yeah. really good. some nice barbecue. Some, some beans. Some beans. <laughs> some bacon-wrapped corn. Yeah. Some garlic fries. And then you just have a good old rock and roll show. I went to a bachelor party, and that was one of our stops, was barbecue at the Palomino, so... Very good. After a day of drinking, shooting guns, and throwing axes, the stop for some good old barbecue. That's some that's some real man stuff. Yeah, I felt <laughs> totally out of my element. Yeah, it's like first of all, I've never thrown an axe. I've never shot a gun. I shot a shotgun once in my life. We were shooting like all sorts of stuff. I shot like a battle rifle, and I shot a machine gun, wow. and yeah, it was cool. But I like, you know, I didn't really. Not, not something I'd like look out and seek again. The yeah. barbecue I'd seek again. I mean, okay. clearly, but <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the gun shooting and the the axe throwing. It was also a big letdown. It's like you go and shoot like you know five or six different guns, and then immediately after we're throwing axes. It's like not the same thing. Should have led yeah, with, the axes. Start with the axes. Yeah, yeah. Like the axes would have been way cooler if we like you know. And the guy at the axe place was like letting us throw all sorts of stuff. He's like, try this knife, and I was like, well, you know, I just. Shot a handgun. It's not really the same thing. <laughs> so, you have a gun that shoots knives. Yeah, yeah. That would kind of, you know, that would be the, the cherry on top. But no. Do you have your knife gun with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the order we kind of fucked up, but the best thing we did was the barbecue. And then we went bowling, which was kind of a curveball. Um, a literal curveball? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. I, a lot of gutters. For a lot me. of gutters? Yeah. <laughs> it was the small bowling balls. I just throw that thing, like, super fast balls with no aim. Small. Gap between the pins too big. Yes. Yeah. Ten pin bowling is the way. Yes. Yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of the the bigger balls, and but if it, if it goes in the dark, even better. Sign me up. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> I'll fuck with any type of bowling that glows in the dark. And if they're playing like early 2000s dance music, yeah, you've just won me. Over. Yeah. Like uh, if I get to hear like if I could fall into yeah, the I was thinking sky. more of like every time we touch. Oh yeah. Yeah. At the uh, we've actually recently got into bowling with my siblings and the old Centric Casinos get a good bowling alley in there. The casino shut down, but there's a good good set of lanes there to and Sunday's all you can bowl for twenty dollars. Ooh. So from from eight to eleven all you can bowl, but when you're getting older and you've been sitting in, uh bowling becomes difficult. Uh, it gets quite tiring. Yeah, it gets tiring. Uh, I th- I thought I was somewhat athletic, and then I went bowling, <laughs> and I it was like, oh, maybe not, maybe not anymore. Um, anyways, sidebar, sidebar. I'm sorry, Aaron. You thought you were somewhat athletic at one point in my life. I was. <laughs> yeah, at one point in my life, I could you know run into longer than like hundred meters. Me too, but I understand now my limitations. I'm like, oh fuck, I got nothing now. Yeah, but I didn't think those limitations started at bowling. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was like you know a little bit of more leeway there, but it's Bowlers okay. Are too. It's true. That's it's true. Dirty. It was tiring though, and then like I had to take off my sweater because I was kind of sweating. <laughs> I was like, "This is fucked up. This is not right." Anyways, anyways, fuck, dude. I feel that. Yeah, I lose my breath when I go up and down my stairs. So yeah, yeah. that's I, why I live on the first floor. Yeah, yeah. I live yeah. on the third, so I. Uh, it's the only thing that keeps my legs from going into atrophy, I believe. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to I want to ask a, a question that's kind of a broader one, but we asked it last time, and I I I I guess like because we've kind of been over it, but like, what do you think makes the Calgary music scene so special? Because I I would say, you know, I've been to a lot of cities all around uh, the the country, and like, they're obviously every city's got a different type of music scene and everything, but like. I feel like Calgary's got such an interesting one because it feels like a lot of genres interact with each other and you'll see shows where you've got like, I don't know, uh, you've got the I Am The Mountain and The Path Less Traveled 
and Nolan Hoffman. And you're like, what the fuck? None of these should go together. But like they, they do. And it, and it ends up working out well. What do you think it is that makes the Calgary music scene so different from other music scenes in the country? What I've seen in Calgary is there's just so much of this community-based mindset. Uh, whereas some of the like larger hubs, some of the people that I've talked to, feel they, they, it seems like they feel like they're in competition with their peers. It's like, this is not a competition. What's good for one band is good for all of the bands. And I think musicians in Calgary really realize that. And I wonder if, like, there isn't a lot of the music industry here. Like, there's no label reps. There aren't all that many people working in management that are well-connected. So it becomes a very, like, DIY, grassroots community kind of thing. And I think that mindset is just in all of the bands here so we have this kind of like we're in this together Mm. kind of mindset i think that's interesting because like you said there's not much industry here but like that's something that as we've seen with the the film industry in calgary it can change overnight and things can can change very quickly um i think that one thing that's uh making a big shift is is because of social media and people being able to put their content out there so quickly and and so frequently and reach a wider audience um specifically going tying it back to a calgary artist tate mccray who like blew up uh, you know in the past two years now she's like trending higher than taylor swift is yeah and she's on snl and all sorts of stuff and and i remember watching her like first music video that like popped up in my like uh you might also like because you listened to 36 here's another calgary artist Mm -hmm. and i'm like Oh, okay. I remember seeing I Broke You First, like when it, it had like not even a hundred thousand views, and I was like, This is fucking good. Like this sounds different than you know anyone else, but it's it sounds like what pop music sounds like. Do you think that things like that could see a positive impact on the Calgary scene, even if the even if an artist isn't necessarily like, you know, championing the scene, not that they have to, but you know what I mean, where it's like they're not necessarily going, Yeah, fucking this is the scene, but do you think that that maybe inspires more people and maybe gets more eyes on the scene in general? Yeah, I think, yeah, for getting more eyes on just people being like, Oh, this person is from Calgary, I guess maybe cool things do happen there. I think there's like a lot of larger centers that are still like, Oh, Calgary, that's oil and gas mm-hmm. workers and yeehaw, and which is some there's that is an element of this city but not i live in my own little bubble where that doesn't even exist at all so yeah i also forget that that exists in the city but it's great to have more global exposure on people from calgary and maybe get some more more eyes pointed here and as an artist it's cool to know like you know you don't have to move to toronto or la to make it especially in the day of social media you even have to leave your basement Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, so I mean, you cool. You still have to work at. It. You have to yes. work at. That's it. Yeah. I keep forgetting about. I was gonna say <laughs> I've been like I, I've been hanging out in my basement all these years. What's, what's going on? You tell me playing the GameCube is it gonna make it big? I mean, it could. Yeah, you never know. If if you fucking stream it enough, you could yep. probably. There yeah. You go. New business idea. New business idea. Uh, gotta make some money. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Mom, can I use your basement? <laughs> Aaron's like speed running Luigi's Mansion. Yes. The OG. Never ever beat it. R- Resident Evil 4. Never played it. Smash Bros. Melee. Yeah, I played that. Yeah, that's I a played great Melee. Game. Melee, I was, I was the asshole that was Kirby. You can just fly, fly above the action. And drop yourself down as a brick, a rock, or uh, another rock with a face on it. Uh, See what I what I was like because I played obviously the OG on the N sixty four when I was a kid, and I didn't play any of the other ones. Then I was living in my fraternity with a uh, 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 Wii U uh, in, in there, and so we'd be playing. I think it was Smash Brawl. Ultimate or uh, no, it was the one after Brawl. Okay. It was uh, the, the Smash Four. That's what it was. Uh, but anyways, the the. Uh, the thing was, I found out that if you grab, if you're Bowser, you can get one point ahead of someone and then just keep grabbing them and throwing yourself off of the ledge. Mm. And so my fraternity had a rule that I couldn't play as Bowser nice. anymore. <laughs> nice. And uh, my friend literally had a meltdown the one day. He was like, "Can you 
fucking stop doing this. You're not fun to play with. <laughs> well, that sounds it's not like... about fun. It's about, it's about yes, winning. Yes. And you're losing, and that's fun for me. <laughs> sounds like me and my older siblings playing Super <laughs> Smash Bros. <laughs> let's both go get Aaron. Okay, fuck you. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go downstairs and have a glass of milk. This pisses me off. Chocolate? No, 2%. Oh, oh 2%. We hey! Are, we used to argue about that too, me and my brother. He was team chocolate milk and I was uh, team white milk and we'd literally have fist fights about it. Wow. Yeah. Passionate about our dairy. Yeah. Now I realize I'm lactose intolerant. So. <laughs> I think you just haven't found the right cheese yet. Yes. It, Anything aged it, I can eat apparently. So That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so now... Uh, <laughs> no, good luck. Cracker Barrel. Yeah. I ain't no Brie. Craft Singles. We're having a charcuterie board with Craft Singles and Bologna. <laughs> it's Bologna. It's Bologna. Yeah, some cold hot dogs uh, chopped up. Yeah. Got some fucking cold hot dogs chopped up. <laughs> Throw those sons of bitches in the macaroni. <laughs> Put some bologna in there. You wrap it all up. You got a nice little sandwich. Nice. Put some ketchup on it. You're getting pretty close with those glasses, I got to say. <laughs> it's because I got a fucking new kitty, too. <laughs> Did you? That's right. You got a new yeah, cat. Yeah, I got a kitty. Yeah. Um, okay, so now uh, uh, I'm going to go back in your musical career. This is the last big question I got to ask you. But uh, your album, Postcards from the Moon, like uh, the Ashley Hendred album, Uh what was the difference between releasing like an EP or uh, compared to like an LP? Like, what was kind of the the process behind writing the project and then releasing it? Because you guys have obviously kept releasing singles and you've released like you know uh, like three or four tracks at a time, but like a big album like that. What what's kind of the the process that goes into starting to completion with that? It's a lot more work, and we're lucky length album to have uh, some support from the Prophets of Music Foundation who hooked us up with like a producer and a little put some team and some money behind us for that one so that was like that was a pretty crazy opportunity for us especially early on in our careers uh, yeah it's it's a lot of writing and I would say my preference these days is putting out EPs, that's why we've been doing a lot more of that. So you can really pick like the best of what what we're doing, like solid four or five songs or whatever. Uh, but it's also really nice to make an album. There's really, like we are talking about that Hall & Oates album earlier that tells a story, you know? And so there's such beauty to like putting together this big full piece of music, like a 40 minutes of music or whatever. That's something I really want to do again, but it, it can be daunting, especially as a group of people that have full-time jobs on the side of doing this. You know, it can be hard to to write 10 really good songs in a year. Mm -hmm. And just the way that, like, music is these days, you have to, you got to stay relevant, got to keep, keep that content train rolling, which I hope doesn't kill the art of the album. It, it seems to have sustained there's still great albums coming out uh i'd like to make a great album one day i hope so well i think that you're on the right track yeah. considering you've you've got a lot of songs that you've written that are just absolutely phenomenal like not just uh not just as a group but solo like like literally what we heard off the top was sitting in but uh i i i feel like okay so now if you were to uh decide to sit down and do your own solo album What's kind of the thing? Uh, I'm asking this selfishly. What's the thing to push you into doing that? Uh, I have plans to do that. Um, so right now I'm working on an EP, four songs, or getting close to being done. Uh, and then I have most of an album also written. So I'll probably record that next winter. And I'm in a good place now where like, I have a studio in my basement, so I don't have to worry too much about the cost because I already spent them. I already am paying Long McQuaid until I die. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just give anybody financing there. I'm like, you, you sure about this? Right. Or, oh. <laughs> well, that's good to know. We can finance our own podcast studio. There you go. There you go. <laughs> We just need some space. We just need a space. That's literally it right yeah. now. 
It's the only thing that we're waiting on. As soon as one of us has a, an apartment with a second bedroom, yeah, we've Speaking got a that, podcast studio. Speaking of that one bedroom life, that part is pretty nice. And I will say though, if we have our own podcast studio, we will have a keg in that podcast there will be, studio. I mean. There's a couple things I have on my checklist for my yeah. future man cave. One is a urinal, one is a beer keg. Yep. Uh, so if I can get both of those things in, you know, the next five years, I'll be a happy man. Yeah. What's the point of living after that? All I can piss where I drink and drink where I piss. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what life's all about? Don't mix them up. You're the Dr. Seuss of alcoholism yeah, yeah. right there. <laughs> Isn't that what life's all about? <laughs> it is, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> Mixing a little eating, sometimes a little sleeping, sometimes a little uh, hanky panky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got given a gift when I was eight years old called a hanky panky magic set, <laughs> and it was like a magician set. I don't know why it was called that. It had nothing to do with sex, but magic I remember. Will not get you laid. No, no. no you, th- you know, when you're eight years old, you think it would. You're like, oh, this is the coolest thing in the world. If I can make a quarter and show up behind that person's ear, she might show me a boob. <laughs> but all you end up is doing magic tricks for your grandma. Yeah. Nah. Or you end up being at kids' parties, and that's not a good combo. Yeah, I feel like everybody at one point in their life wanted to be a magician. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is cool. I still watch old David Blaine clips on YouTube sometimes, and I'm like, how are you doing this, David Blaine? You know what? It's cool, but at the same time, Nothing makes me madder than when I'm at an event and there's a magician. I don't know. It's just something about it. I'm just like, God damn it. This fucking ruins everything for me. <laughs> like, like specifically if you're on like a comedy show or like a variety show of some kind and they're like, here's our magician. And I'm like, I'm not going to follow that. <laughs> there's, there's no way that's going to end up being well for me. Um, speaking of like weird gigs though, like, uh, like obviously you talked about the Palomino and uh, how great it is. And like, I agree with you. I think it's a phenomenal space. I also think like, uh, stage wise, it's perfect size stage. Uh, I, I think like, you know, uh, you're also, it's nice that there's kind of two levels, even if there's only like six inches separating them. It is nice having two levels. Cause you, if you're at the very back, you can still see the stage fine. Um, so what would you say the contrast to that is like the worst space you've had to perform in? Played in a lot of dives and a lot of basements. And I think there's something there's something great in every space. And like with the Ashley Hundred, there's a lot of us and we have so much stuff. And sometimes we play in these rooms like on tour where there's we look at the space and we're like, I have no idea how we're going to us in there and we find a way and it's it's never the best show ever but it's an experience and it's fun the only shows that i don't like to play are the ones where the, there's a lot of people that don't care mm. that is the worst we've had that a number of times in my life i'd rather play to five people in a teeny tiny room of five people that are like very into it than a beautiful room with 200 people that are just like waiting for it to be over <laughs> you, can, you can feel that oh yeah and and there's nothing worse than being like i'm allotted a certain amount of time that i have to be up here mm. and so you guys are gonna sit through it because i'm getting paid for that amount of time yeah. and nothing less <laughs> we've definitely had a few shows where we cut our set in half there was one toga party it was the worst show ever. There was 200 people there. It was at Mount Royal. Uh, it was like a student party. 200 people, sold out room. Everyone's in a toga, just waiting for us to end. We played like five songs. We're like, this is the worst I've ever felt. <laughs> and then we stopped playing, and they put on Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake. And the room goes wild. It's like, this is... There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's just that's what the people wanted. They did not want an indie folk band. <laughs> this is when we were very like very folky, very chill. It's not the vibe. So then uh, like okay, so now my next question with that is like what what was the decision like to just go 
yeah, I know, on stage. Like, it's to be like, yeah, we're dipping. We've all just been looking at each other in between every song, like, mm. Wow, this is awful. <laughs> and then we just hit a point where I think someone was like, can we just play only one more song? And everyone was like, yes, yes, please. Were you wearing Ooh. togas? We thought about it. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we would have had the crowd on our side. But I feel like it might have been like, a very nightmare scenario to be just like feeling that embarrassment like oh god i'm wearing a cheap <laughs> <laughs> my nipple is out <laughs> i also feel like there's nothing more humiliating than being like looked at by people disapprovingly while you're not wearing clothes <laughs> you know like you're not wearing real clothes <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't started to believe that i was <laughs> oh, this isn't real. It's fine. You're like pitching your one out nipple. You're like, wake me up, wake me up, wake me up. Yeah. They're like, Look at that fucking guy. Somebody turn on the Justin Timberlake in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sexy Max playing Brett can't stop grabbing his nipple. <laughs> He's I like, mean, wake up. <laughs> the lesson learned is you can't doubt the power of Timberland. That's just the lesson learned in that story. Timberland? Yeah, he's the producer. The producer. Oh, yeah, he's, I didn't know that. that man touched absolute <laughs> specific sounds. When you hear a Timberland song, you know that's yeah. a fucking Timberland song. A lot, it's just his mouth a lot yep. of the times. A lot of those beats, he's just making mouth sounds. Yeah. There's an awesome video, this is a sidebar, but of uh, Kanye West working on Stronger, and he couldn't get the drums figured out right. And he was like days and days and days working on Stronger. So he calls Timberland. Timberland comes in and figures out in five minutes. And he's like, just had to call me, Kanye. Just had to call me. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it doesn't sound right in the club. It sounds good in the studio, but it doesn't sound right in the club. And Timberland comes in and he's like, and then he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Kanye wanted it to sound like Sexy Back, the, the drums. Oh. He was like, I wanted it to sound as good as Sexy Back sounded in the club. And I couldn't figure it out. And Timberland came in and like flicked a couple switches and figured it out yeah well you know what they say i don't know he has a new song with nelly Furtado. it's like yeah taking you back and justin timberlake wow yeah Yeah. so next time you had a toga party you know what's coming on so Uh, i guess you could say that what goes around goes around goes around comes all the way back around yes yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i thought i told you that no hey oh no what goes around goes back around Uh, that's true yeah it's true anyways that's that's enough timberland talk (laughs) That's enough Timberland dog. He also makes cool boots. So there you go. <laughs> same guy. Same guy. I actually had to think about that, and I realized you were fucking joking. Yes. It took me a second. Are you nice? I like your socks. Hey. Lumberjack sheet. Yeah, we're 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 definitely in this like uh, uh, Finnish folk look today. Yeah, we are. Uh, hello, we are monsters and men. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Yari. <laughs> yeah, nice. I can't do a Finnish accent. You can't do a Finnish accent. No. No. Why not? <laughs> you don't really sound Finnish. It's it's you take you take Russian and you take German, yeah. you combine them, that's Finnish. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> so, no? No. Oh. No. Sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the I'm the Canadian member of this Finnish trio. Yeah. All right. Well, uh okay, so we're gonna wind down here, but I wanted to ask, uh, this is coming out next Wednesday. So what dates do you have coming up what uh what exciting stuff can we plug for you on the podcast here um i will be releasing my first single friendship a song about friends and all things friend related on february 17th hey i'm doing a show at a place called ghost kitchen uh follow my social media broadcast music for details on that yeah Heck yeah. And uh, do you have any, any shows uh, right around Christmas? Or? Uh, I'm playing at Prairie Dog Brewing on December 30th. They just started doing live music there. Nice. I like that place a lot. Yeah. That's a really fun place. And yeah. and do you guys have any dates uh, with the Ashley 100 coming up? Or? Uh, one that I, I'm not allowed to share yet. Maybe oh. I will be. No, it'll be released by the time. So we're playing a big winter classic. Hey! Yeah, as as is my solo project. Nice. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's super cool. I'm sure the lineup is going to be announced before this is out. So I think I'm not 
I'm sure it will be, and if it isn't, I don't think that uh, Monique Lawrence is going to get very upset about it. Yeah. You know, if, if it's leaked beforehand, I think that's just another reason for people to buy tickets. Uh, well, that's super exciting. I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely be at Big Winter Classic to check you guys out and yourself, and I'll be uh, at your single release party for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to uh, one more plug uh, for this because this is the last episode that's coming out before it. Uh, December fourteenth. The Ice House in Pasadena, Los Angeles Comedy Festival. I'll be there. Come check mm. me out. It'll be fun. Also, check us out on Amazon Music. Yeah, check us out on Amazon Music. Yeah. Uh, we were a part of their uh, 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 indie podcast amplifier yes. program. So we got we got boosted a bit over the past uh, two weeks uh, from them. So yeah. yeah, yeah, we are now anti-union on this yeah. podcast. I, I, um, yeah, I, that's why I'm holding my pee in this entire episode. Yeah, uh, in solidarity. In solidarity. Uh, I don't believe in peeing. Uh, Amazon Music. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Anal yeah. <laughs> <It'll> contusions. <laughs> <laughs>